Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna. This is News Talk. Yes, you can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning, they say money can't buy you happiness, but it can certainly bring you a whole load of stress. I speak to Carol Brick about how to be more smart with your finances and alleviate one of life's biggest headaches. I'll also be joined by Daniela Moyles. She was on the show last year when she launched her memoir, Jump. It went on to be a bestseller and today she talks to me about her latest release, Jump Start the Journal, her psychology studies and the latest online course she's involved in on conflict. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, I'm good. It's been a bit of a juggle this week with husband away, kids off school and I'm that parent who missed out on the summer camp places But look, I'm kind of happy sometimes for them to just chill out a bit. And once we get out of the house, at least once, I feel I'm doing enough. There's just so much pressure, isn't there, to be doing, doing, doing. But I tell you what I've told them. I'm not there for their entertainment. And sometimes it's okay to just be. And I have been feeling a lot more myself since the gyms reopened and I've been getting back into a modicum of exercise. And part of me has been annoyed that my mood has improved as I've begun to get back into a different type of shape. I've done so much work and I know I spoke on this show. I wrote an article about it for The Independent about shaking off the idea that our happiness comes from what the scales say or how the clothes feel. So it felt like I was slipping back into old habits that I hoped I'd moved on from. But I think that this is also an important lesson that you don't really have this enlightened moment and then your trajectory just goes up and up. Progress and life is never really linear. It's up and it's down and it's all over the place. And I think you realise you're living differently when you catch yourself. I'm now conscious that I've put happiness into my appearance. So when I catch myself doing it, it's different to how I was before. And I listened to two brilliantly honest podcasts on the same or similar topic this week. One was from The Good Glow, where I listened to two friends I worked with in radio, Georgie Crawford, who was a guest a couple of weeks back, and Claire Solon. And they spoke about living the wellness life, doing all the right things in inverted commas, and yet slipping back sometimes to old ways and old patterns. And the pop singer Anne-Marie spoke to Fern Cotton on Happy Place about taking the time in lockdown to figure out her issues, her boundaries and find a way forward as she had reached a place where she was anxious, depressed and then numb. But again, she sort of said that it wasn't one thing that changed everything, a light bulb moment and then everything was rosy again. And who's to say that she won't slip back again? But that is where the learning is. You get to use the tools and the learning that you picked up along the way. And I do think it's important that we talk about wellness in this way. It's often sold as this utopia that you have to reach, that you have to be doing all of these things and spending all this money. And often it's packaged in a way that makes you feel bad about where you're at. So you will spend all the money on the elixir or the supplement of the moment. It's actually just about feeling well in yourself, not even all of the time, just some of the time and taking the time to find out what keeps you that way. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Carol Brick is a financial advisor and CEO of CWM Wealth Management and HerMoney.ie. I wanted to open the discussion around money on the show as it can be one of life's biggest stressors. And yet it is so necessary. So I've invited Carol on to discuss how we can bring health and wellness into our finances. Carol, you're very welcome to Alive and Kicking. 
Thank you, Claire. Good morning. I'm delighted to be with you today. So, Carol, are you somebody who was always destined to work in this industry? Were you always really good with your with your pocket money, with your communion money? Well, Claire, I wish I could put my hands up and say that um, that I was, but um, it's something that you need to, I guess, learn and uh, and develop as the years go by. So, I have slowly but surely gotten there. And I guess, you know, uh, again, you need to be very strict with yourself. And I think by now, you know, I have all the various boxes ticked. But if I don't, as a financial advisor, Claire, you know, I seriously need to look at myself. But I don't think anybody is naturally born with the with the ability to, to save or be good with money. It's something you need to certainly seek advice on and 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 learn. And you started out in banking um, and then decided to move more into financial advising. What was the the push to that? Okay, well, I started off um, having graduated as an economics graduate from UCD, going down the accounting route. And um, I guess I worked in that for four or five years. And to be honest with you, it wasn't for me. I didn't find it very personally satisfying. Um, And I always wanted to, I suppose, firstly deal with people and I always had an interest in the whole area of financial planning, especially in the whole in the retirement end of things. And um, I basically started doing the QFA exams, and within two years I qualified. And then I basically moved out of, I guess, the whole finance area. And I started firstly I started working within the bank as an advisor, and then 14 and a half years ago um, I was delighted to get the opportunity to open up a company called CWM Wealth Management in conjunction with um, a national accounting practice called Contracting Plus. And they actually provide uh, financial services to self-employed contractors all over Ireland. And then five years ago, Her Money was born. So that company uh, basically provides financial services to professional women all over Ireland. And that's proven very, very popular. So it's gone all very well. I guess it's it's been a, you know, a long path, but um, in fairness, I'm so happy I made the move and, and we love just sitting down in front of all different types of individuals every day from professional women to professional contractors to families, uh, speaking to them about their finances and finding solutions um, for same. So what are the common mistakes people make around money? Um, I think firstly, Claire, I'm not seeking professional advice. Like with anything, if you have you know a bad pain in your leg or if you have a really bad toothache, you ring a doctor or a dentist. Too many people let it go too far before they pick up the phone and find a professional financial advisor. And up until they do do that, they find the whole area, I find, you know, quite daunting. And I wouldn't blame them. You know, the whole area of financial planning, be it pension, protection, it's, it's difficult to decipher. There's a lot of, I suppose, um, you know, terminology that people wouldn't be familiar with. So that's our job um, to sort for you. So you know, a quick consultation, usually the first consultation with an advisor is free, so it won't cost you anything. Pick up the phone and, um, you know, have a have a chat and, and go from there. So I would say delay in seeking professional help. And um, I suppose, again, just not understanding the whole area is the biggest concern and not starting various plans early enough. So not starting to, I suppose, your, your pension early. And I mean, an awful lot of people are completely unaware of the very generous tax relief that's available in all of these types of schemes. So um, it's just getting the help, understanding it, and most importantly, dipping the toe in the water and getting getting everything started. So, I mean, it, it, it's 
a long answer, I'm sure, that you're going to have to shorten. But what are your top tips for creating financial well-being, apart from calling an expert? Um, well, I suppose, again, there's, there's three main pillars, Claire, that you need to consider. One is retirement planning. How much have I in the pot to date, if you, ha- if you even have a pot? What do I need to add to it between now and your chosen retirement age? So is it 60 or is it 65? You need to decide that. And, um, you know, if I'm falling short, um, try and increase pension or start one as soon as possible and take advantage of the tax relief. So the retirement planning is, I suppose, very, very important. And then, uh, as the old saying long ago went, our job as a broker is to make sure you have a big, uh, a, an, enough of a pot left at the end when you retire. And God forbid anything happens you on the path to retirement, like injury or God forbid premature death, that there's a pot that will pay out to keep either you going or your dependents going. So the next thing is protection. So life cover, um, and that would be outside of mortgage cover, and income protection is a very, very important is another very important cover as well. And there's very generous tax relief on that. So it's making sure you have a pot at the end that it's enough that you can retire when you want, hopefully. And with enough income, I suppose I don't need to remind people that the state pension is just over twelve thousand euro. So you know, if you're a professional earning sixty, seventy thousand euro, and you haven't made proper provisions, it is you know a sore drop to trying to live on twelve thousand a year. So people need to be aware of that. And you know, if if it's if, if you can't live on twelve, then you need to decipher how much do I need, and then you know, and um, aim towards that. So um. That's literally just sitting down um, with yourself and, and looking at what you have and, and making a, a plan based on that, you know. So um, a lot of people don't do that until it's too late. You know, we have clients coming into us at 55, 56, and their dream of retiring was always around the 65 mark, but it's just completely unrealistic because they didn't address it on time. And I suppose debt is, is one of the biggest causes of, of stress around money. How can we minimise that? Because people can get caught really in an earnings trap that they're spending more than they're bringing in and it's very hard to see a way out. Right. Well, I, I, I wrote an article actually for one of the newspapers very recently on this and it was um, a question that a reader sent in and it was just an, an endless spiral of debt basically preventing her from doing anything. And what I would say there, firstly, it's it's usually frivolous spending that causes debt to begin with. So what I would say is stop spending, sit down and literally create a really strict budget that you're not going to go beyond every month. Okay, so that would consist of the basic expenses that you have. And even at that, look at the basic expenses. When was the last time you reviewed the, you know, the big expenses like the mortgage, all the big insurance covers? And if, you, if, it, if it's been a while, then have them checked. Make sure that you're getting the best value for everything. And if you are, then they're the basic expenses. And just try your best to, you know, not go beyond those, um, you know, and, and create. Firstly, I suppose, try and pay off or meet even the, ter- the basic terms of your debt. And then, you know, beyond that, obviously, just try and create some kind of an emergency fund that, if God forbid, anything happened, then, you know, you don't need to worry, you know, if you lost your job or anything like that, that you have this emergency fund, which would usually be worth three times your monthly expenses. Um, so, and, and then, God forbid, it's, you just can't sort it out yourself. There is absolutely plenty of help out there. There's obviously MABS. 
they're, you know, uh, professional debt practitioners. So, you know, there's plenty of help. Don't try and sort it out on your own. Just pick up the phone. Um, but self-discipline, strict budgeting, and, you know, stopping the frivolous spending are the three best tips I would give. And as you said, you've a range of people that, that come to you or, or come to people in your in your company. So is it just as stressful if you have loads of money? I think we always assume if somebody has the big house and the, the two cars in the driveway that, that life is, is sweet and that's not necessarily the case. Does more money bring more stress and more responsibility? Um, look, to be honest with you, Clara, I would disagree there. The, I suppose our typical client is you know, coming in with the stresses of not having enough money to start a pension or, you know, not having enough money to take out protection. You know, our high net worth clients, to be honest with you, have the major boxes ticked. They're saving into their pension a long time. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're protecting their families and they have a nice nest egg. So I'll be honest with you. Now, of course, you get the odd client who has, you know, again, spiraling debt, um, and, you know, unfortunately, debt advice is not something we provide here. But usually the people that need the most help are the middle earners or low earners. You know, we have an awful lot of basic earners who come in and they just haven't started their pension on time. They're in their late 40s, early 50s. And, they were, you know, they were just paying other bills. They have young families. They're attending to other, you know, costs and they just let it go. So to be honest with you, I rarely see people in that category with major um, financial stressors or any major issues. So do you think that things need to change at policy level to help the squeezed middle so that they do have enough money to tick the boxes that you're talking about? Totally. I mean, obviously, you know, there's major work going on at government level um, on the pension side of things. Um, you know, so I'm not sure, obviously, with with the pandemic and things that have taken over in the meantime, where they're at exactly with that. But you're completely right, Claire. Not enough is being done at all for the, for the middle or low earners. Um, you know, I do think the, the tax reliefs could be again looked at. The maximum contribution limits for pension contributions could be re-looked at, um, you know, at the moment, if you're, you know, 40, 42 or 43 years of age, the most you can put into a pension is 25% of your earnings and your employer might be doing 5% of that. So the max you can contribute is only 20%. Yet, if you were the director of a limited company, you could put in 60 or 70%. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of inequality there across the board. And I do think it needs a lot of work. And in fairness, I, I do think I do feel that in the next couple of years, we'll see some hopefully some positive changes coming to the area. You've dedicated much of your working life to highlighting and talking about women and money. Talk to me a bit about that. Right. Um, well, I suppose um, through my work with CWM Wealth Management, where we're just coming across more and more women coming into us that I suppose completely overlooked their financial planning due to different reasons, I suppose. Firstly, they might have taken time off to look after kids, um, time out of the workforce, or I suppose, you know, we don't have to, you know, stress the fact that, you know, due to um, the gender pay difference, they'd be on a different level of pay to, to men in the same industry anyway. Um, but women, I suppose, I hate to say it, we tend to be the chief, the, the chief plate spinners at home as well, Claire. And, you know, the running of the the basic running of, of a household is nearly always down to, down to the down to the lady or the woman in the house. So um, they're just not taking the time to look at their finances properly. 
we have professional women coming to us all of the time um, with huge gaps in their plans. And I mean, you know, it, that's across the board in terms of protection. Some of them, um, we did a, a recent survey there actually, and only 25% of those earning over 50K had any type of protection in place. So um, since we've opened her money, we have like over 3,000 uh, female clients that have taken advantage of our services. And again, you know, it's not all about selling products either, Claire. It's just pointing out the importance of what you should have and guiding them it's in it. It's, it's an information sharing service more than anything else and highlighting the most important things. And that's been the most popular element of the service is that you don't have to engage, you don't have to pay. Even if you log on to our website, hermoney.ie, there's an awful lot of very useful information there, free of charge to females. But the research would show that not a lot, not enough women are making proper pension provision, protection provisions, and um, even savings and investment. Women are more likely to leave their funds sitting in the bank on uh, deposit earning 0, 0.0 than they are to invest. So there's a lot of hand-holding hand -holding here. Um, there's a lot of basic advice, uh, but it's working very, very well. And it's good to hear that, you know, if you're like that with your head in the sand and none of those box ticked, that they are the people you want. I don't think anyone needs to feel embarrassed about it or ashamed about it. As you said, if you have a sore leg or a sore tooth, you, you, you call the expert and we should do the same with our finances. Carol Brick, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Claire. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Coming up after the break, Daniela Moyles on her latest book, Jumpstart. Alive and Kicking. On News Talk. Daniela Moyles was a guest on the show last year when she launched her memoir, Jump, detailing all she'd learned from burnout, breakdown, breakups, and traveling the world. I absolutely ate the book up, as did many others, as it went on to be a bestseller. Daniela recently released her follow up, Jumpstart, and she joins me today to talk about that, her psychology studies, and her wellness company, The Still, which she co founded and which has some very interesting courses going on. Daniela, you're very welcome back. Hi, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. So, Daniela, what was it like for you to see such a personal book like Jump do so well? It was very unexpected. Um, I remember having this pet talk with myself before it was released, thinking, if this flops and if nobody cares to buy it or if they do and they hate it, you know, what was my agenda or what was my um, reason for writing it? And I decided that the process in itself had been cathartic enough. So even if that's all it had amounted to be, I was OK with that. Um, and then the response was, was just a massive, massive unexpected bonus. Um, and it opened up the door to me to write a second book, which has been just the biggest privilege. So tell us a little bit about Jumpstart. So Jumpstart um, has become this kind of natural follow-on, which I never would have seen before. Uh, basically because I didn't know how Jump would be received. So I was just stuck in that position before uh, I saw how it was um, kind of greeted by everybody. Um, but I started to get messages and feedback around how people were resonating to or relating to some of the more personal stories in the book, um, which I felt like, you know, were backdropped by this interesting outer journey, but were perhaps not distilled enough to... Uh, make clear that this is something you could do yourself in your own bedroom. There's no need to hop on a plane or travel the world for a year. And with COVID, that's even less possible. So it just became this kind of obvious extension that I could distill down the lessons I had learned during those years and then pad them out and make them even clearer 
and easier to digest and more linear uh, based on what I was learning in my psychotherapy degree. So there's a bit of work in it, though, isn't it? There's a bit of personal digging. Why do you think we're hesitant to dig deep and, and spend the time getting to know ourselves, the good, the bad and the ugly? That is something I really want to highlight with this book is that it's not just one of those kind of stationary section journals where a lot of the pages are blank and there's just a very brief prompt and you're very much left alone um, to kind of fill in those spa- uh, spaces. It is a it is a book. You know, there's, there's reading in it. There's learning in it. I would say it's 50% book, 50% workbook. And it's challenging. It's definitely challenging. It's not a fluffy, um, let you off the hook kind of journal. Um, I think there's aspects of our character that stay kind of outside of our conscious awareness or that we choose to repress or suppress because we don't want to know about them. They undermine our self-image or they're painful or difficult to integrate. Or there's so many reasons that there's parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at. And all of us have this across the board. It's not unique to anyone and it's not right or wrong. Some of our shadow parts are actually beautiful parts of ourselves. They're not, they're not necessarily bad parts of ourselves. They're just aspects of ourselves that we've cut off for various reasons. Let's say you had like a gorgeous extroverted uh, personality or temperament. But when you were younger, you were told to be quiet all the time. And you would have locked that part of yourself away. That's not necessarily a bad part of yourself. It's just you perceived it as being unlikable or um, not something that was given its due uh, welcoming. So it's not always unearthing these kind of just um, terrible aspects of character. Um, So to put that out there as well, the work is challenging. It's definitely challenging and confronting. But it is so amazingly um, freeing to come to know the whole spectrum of who you are and to understand your own patterns, your own conditioning, your own um, different defense mechanisms and how they serve you or don't serve you or used to serve you but are now hindering you. And life just gets so much easier, less confusing, less hurtful, less chaotic when you have this kind of very clear read on who you are and what you want. Yeah, because I think people have the impression that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that might be the case. But whether you're doing the work or not, it's still affecting your every day. So it's not as if you're really avoiding anything by avoiding it. Absolutely. There's this quote in the book now. I'm definitely going to kind of butcher it here. I'm going to ad lib it. But it was something like there's two choices in life. It's to um, be be uncomfortable with your afflictions and not knowing that you have those afflictions or it's to be uncomfortable to uncover those afflictions and then you're free. So it's uncomfortable either way, but I'd rather be uncomfortable for a moment and then there's liberation or change or self-development or, or the, the option to enact free will and do better at the end of that rather than just be blindly afflicted by these things infinitely. And I spoke at the start of the show, I think we're sold a little bit in wellness that you kind of reach this point of enlightenment and you're fixed in inverted commas. And that's not necessarily the case. We're, we're all learning and all you can really hope is to get to a place where you recognise your triggers or your boundaries or know yourself that little bit better. And what I found is the only skill I've learned is I'm like, oh yeah, that's that again, rather yeah. than I'm now just living this incredible life. And I assume it's the same for you. Absolutely. I used to have this kind of impatient. Uh, like, when am I finished? You know, when am I fixed forever kind of mindset? 
Um, and I love really understanding things, really grasping things. That's when they make sense to me and it's when I feel motivated to continue. I remember um, when I started my psychotherapy degree, I would ask that question. Um, and truly, without you know demotivating anyone's efforts, the work is never done. But the benefit is that the work gets so much easier. If I was to, to describe it from my experience, there's this very challenging kind of um, beginning section where you're kind of trying to start to carve new pathways. And it feels really challenging and new. And like it's sometimes you're wondering if it's worth it. But then you get to this plateau where things definitely start to just become easier. And it's not that the challenges or that the um, ups and downs or that the even the kind of programming that you have changes. It's just that you recognize it quicker, you rectify it quicker. And a lot of the times, those kind of old habits are no longer necessary once you're doing the work. So the work never ends, but it gets exponentially easier, 100%. Well, you're listening to Alive and Kicking on News Talk with Claire McKenna and I'm talking to Daniela Moyles about her latest book, Jumpstart. And Daniela, it's always, you know, I get asked a lot, what's your biggest health and wellness tip? And that's always mine. Get to know yourself a little bit because everybody's different. Everyone has different pasts, different challenges and are into different things. So the more time you spend with yourself getting to know yourself, I find the more well that you feel. Tell us a little bit about the psychotherapy course then, because with any course like that, you not only learn the theory and the skill, you have to dig deep into yourself. So when you talk about doing work, you're you're really digging deep. <laughs> yeah, I, I really felt like um, to make this transition with some credibility and to really back myself that I had to uh, walk the talk and really do the work myself. Um, and to be honest with you, I actually love it. So it's not that challenging for me. But just to, um, uh, I suppose, give you the credit for what you're saying there in terms of um, self-awareness and self-development being really worth your time. Um, behavioral changes are generally so superficial. We'll try to implement them, but the roots of the issue are still there. And so the behavioral changes will just slip away so quickly. But with self-awareness work and self-development work, you're getting down to those roots and you're pulling up the weeds. And so the, the changes you make can actually be genuinely lasting. And that's because you have this understanding around why you're making those changes. Um, and a psychotherapy degree gets to those roots. Uh, there's no avoiding it. It's very, very challenging. But um, I do. I, there's a part of me that feels like everyone should have to do it because I don't know why these things aren't thought in school. It's like life hacks, life hacks for an easier life. And that's what I tried to distill down into this book, make it digestible, but science-based and also not just uh, lofty and kind of uh, abstract and concept-driven, but truly tangible change accessible to everybody. Yeah, I spoke to a friend recently doing a, a psychology degree and, and she's been digging deep all through her first year. And something she said was so simple but so informative was a stress diary so anytime she felt stress from anything from you know a row with her partner to a cue for the coffee that took a little bit too long she had to write down on a scale of one to ten how it made her feel and when she was looking back she was nearly at a ten for everything so it made her the next time she got to a coffee cue say do I really need to get to a ten with this no I don't so it's just that awareness it doesn't mean you're never going to be angry again or you're never going to be stressed again they're very normal human emotions but it's just that awareness really unlocks so much and and makes life that little bit easier 100 percent. if 
we don't have an understanding of and, a, and an ability to step back and observe our emotions, they run us. And we are just the vessel through which the emotion uh, expresses its, you know, its 10, its maximum expression. Uh, whereas when you do a little bit of work around this, honestly, you start to own your emotions and you start to be able to modulate that reaction. And it's just an easier life. Um, and interestingly, there is an entire chapter on understanding and handling stress in which there is a stress diary template in Jumpstart. Um, and we are made to do that in college. Um, and it sounds so simple, but it's truly insightful work. There's moments you'll see patterns that you've never noticed before. You'll notice different things that trigger you more than others. And it just starts to become this thing that you can control rather than being asleep or unconsciously run by it. You're able to go, ah, oh, that's that again. I won't enact that now. I'm going to choose a different path. And the more you flex that muscle, the old reaction becomes unnecessary, useless. And the new choice becomes what you are or how you act or behave or think or feel. So how would you recommend people use or read Jumpstart? Sometimes I find if you get a self-help book, sometimes it can sort of glare at you from the corner of the room and, you know, you never get down to it. So... What's your advice on getting started? Okay, so I think Jumpstart, again, is different than your average journal in that it's not dated. It doesn't require you to check in daily. There is no right or wrong. Um, And the reason I did that is because I already know that there's going to be resistance around this book. If this work was easy, if we were all able to just glide through all of the exercises and learnings that are in Jumpstart, we would never need to pick it up in the first place. So I do quite thoroughly break this down in the introduction. Um, You use the book as it feels right to you. So for instance, you could commit to five pages a day, even one page a day, or you could read a whole chapter and just work your whole way through the chapter. And once you finish that, go back and do the exercises. Or you could work through it, um, you know, slowly, section by section by section. It could, like when I think about the amount of time the work in this book took me, just to give you a, a little bit of context, I probably took three years to do all of the work that's in this book. So I would think that if you can work through this book in a year, you're doing very well. And you will not recognize the person that you are 12 months later if you commit to that self-development, that kind of uh, often unflattering insight or coming back after that resistance surfaces. Because if you're meeting resistance, you're doing it right. Mm, That gives me chills. I love this stuff. Right, we'll have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about your company that you've co-founded, The Still. I'm a big fan and, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But right now we're going to take a break. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna. This is News Talk. You're very welcome back to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna and I'm talking to Daniela Moyles, among other things, about her latest book, Jumpstart. And Daniela, true to your word, you're still making jumps. You spent a good bit of time in Portugal this year. Is it that important to you to throw caution to the wind and, and take on new challenges and, and change things up a bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like sometimes those kind of decisions can feel challenging if you don't know yourself, know what you value, know what way you want to live. Um, So around Christmas time, I realized that my entire uh, college curriculum was online. All my work had moved to online. 
Um, and there was this unspoken idea that, you know, we should all be in the trenches together and that if you leave, you know, you're kind of leaving behind uh, everyone else. Um, but I just knew for my own mental health at that time, uh, as the restrictions started to get more and more and more um, kind of bearing down on us, that I needed a, a change of scenery. Um, I was 32, living in my parents' house who were uh, essentially cocooning. And um, it was not that I went to somewhere where the restrictions were much different. They were much the same. But I was uh, by the seaside and I was able to have a little bit more freedom in terms of I wasn't cocooning. I was being cautious, but cautious, uh, you know, for my uh, age group and my uh, level of potential risk. Um, and it just really, really helped me. I felt like those six months from January to coming home, I barely noticed that there was a pandemic. Uh, I could just feel a little bit of freedom. Yeah, a little bubble of your own. Um, and the last time you were on, we didn't get to talk about the still. I'm a big fan of all you do there, but tell others a little bit who might not know what it's all about. Oh, thank you. You've always been so supportive and I really appreciate it. Um, this still started as, uh, I suppose, a resource. So when I first had my own meeting with burnout or my own uh, experience of, um, you know, mental health troubles, there just wasn't as much information as resor- and resources as there is now. And it's amazing that the conversation has become so commonplace and that there's so much more uh, access to learning, to different methods. Um, and different treatments. But yeah, I remember thinking that I wanted to create the resources that I wish that I could have had at that time. It was all so alien, so unfamiliar, so scary. Um, And when I was writing Jump, I wanted to create essentially an online hub where there would always be some workshop or some article or something that could provide a little bit of relief. Um, And it was always supposed to be something quite small, And then COVID uh, really accelerated, um, I suppose, maybe that need for that online connection and community and sense of relaxation or relief. Um, And so this still has um, really grown a lot more than I expected. And I'm I'm so grateful for that. So we generally always have a variation on a more holistic or spiritual workshop. And then quickly after that, we'll follow with a more scientific or psychotherapy-based workshop. So it's something for everybody. And I really do believe in that holistic approach. I don't think there should be one or the other. Um, I think, you know, looking after mind, body and spirit is what we should be doing. And there is a real kickback against wellness, which I think is justified, um, you know, that we don't necessarily have to spend money to be well. um, And that kind of attitude that's out there at the minute of, oh, you don't have a dry robe and you're not sea swimming and you're not drinking cacao. And yes, I get all of that. But I think to have somewhere you can go to try out these things with experts and have this accountability. Like I've done a couple of the Wake Up Well courses with yourself, Natasha and Neil, um, where you wake up early, which I never, ever thought I could do. And you spend time breathing, doing some meditation and doing some movement. And I found it transformative and I wouldn't have done it without having to get up, without having paid that money, without having to have that date where I know there's other people there. I think there's really something in that. You don't necessarily have to spend money, but sometimes when you do, what you get back is priceless. Yeah, the accountability really is invaluable because sometimes knowing what's good for you and doing what's good for you is two very different things. 
Um, and I love that course. I really do, because just like you, I used to struggle so, so much with that accountability or that belief that I could kind of make these changes. And it sounds so simple. It just sounds so simple. These practices sound easy when you talk about, you know, breathing, which we do day in, day out mindlessly, or meditating or just sitting still or a little bit of movement. But when it's done properly, and this is what I wanted to really get across with the still, was not just the place that you could go to do these practices, but also because this is important to me, so I'm projecting my own needs, I suppose, here, understanding why we do these things and the enormous array of benefits available to us, I think that motivates me to keep doing these practices to maintain this kind of um, small and accessible and not over-the-top ritual of self-care. And if you do establish that and then you fall out of it, you'll really, really see the difference in your inner peace, like the, the, the capacity to have resilience, the capacity to get through your day with gratitude and, and positive emotions and um, a, a general sense of well-being really is disrupted. Um, and I realized that that used to be my normal. That used to be how I operated in the world. And I just never want to go back there. Yeah, and I think I'll always come back to doing the course, but I always know I have that now if life is particularly stressful or busy that if I get up on my own and light a candle and sit with a hot drink and take 10 deep breaths I know that's a better start to the day for me and the course gave me that. Tell us a little bit about the course you have ongoing at the moment. Uh, You're looking at conflict. Why did you choose that? So there's been a couple of things along my own path I suppose of self-development work that I really felt so passionate about teaching others in an accessible way, um, you know, something like attachment theory and how that just truly drives the behaviours in your adult life, even though it was something that was formed in your formative years. Um, and we have no idea the degree to which that drives our adult behaviours and decisions. And when you get to understand that, it's, it's truly life-altering. And another one was navigating conflict. It's just an inevitable part of being a human being and being part of a social species. And it's relevant across all relationships, friendships, work, work colleagues, uh, familial and you know, romantic relationships, as we know. And it's one of those things that I think causes us so much suffering and pain and unresolved um, kind of lingering um, defenses and patterns that we bring with us into the future. And again, this, none of this stuff is rocket science. When it's explained properly, you can make tangible change and your life just gets better. And it really is things like that that I'm quite passionate about making accessible. Um, so I've teamed up with two of the most incredible women, Dr. Yvonne Barnes-Holmes and Dr. Kira McIntaggart. Um, they are world experts in behavioral science. And this course is their content. I'm just facilitating it. I'm acting as um, the listener. So I'm asking questions that I think people might want to know or that might be unclear. Um, and we've had our first session. And when I say... It's just life-altering stuff. It really is. And it's accessible and it's tangible and you can implement it and experiment with it in your own life and see it working. And I think that that's the best way to create change because you can listen to somebody talk and have the best of intentions, but until you feel the benefits yourself, no one can design the life you want better than you. No one is an expert on you more than you are. So when you can take these empowered tools home with you, that's when change happens. And that's kind of what I want to do with all the courses on the still. It's not about 
you know, creating a subscription model where people need to pay for wellness over and over and over. It's about coming to one accessible course that we're passionate about teaching and taking that away with you for life. It is running, as you say, at the moment, but people can log into it as and when they want. You don't have to be there live. So can people still join at any time? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've actually created a half price offer just for your listeners. Um, so at the moment, the course is running live and the course fee was eighty five ninety five. But at the moment, you can get it half price. So it's €42 euro, and you'll get access to all of the course content that everyone's getting live, but via the recordings. So you're watching it at your own pace, at your own time, and the material is yours for life. You own it forever. Um, and it really is, as I said, truly life-changing, science-based, um, learnings that are run by two incredible minds and I just adore so much being able to facilitate this stuff um, I never really get to see you know the direct impact of what it might do for people but even the idea that it might um, you know kind of uh, go out into the world in the way that it's helped me just makes me so happy. Well, I think the best way to perhaps find you to find out about your book and the still and everything else that you do, go to Instagram at Daniela Moyles. Daniela Moyles, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Claire. Really appreciate you having me on. So that's it from Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, John Fardy, and to Jojo Cordoza, who was on sound. And thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week.